0: You know, for years now, I have really enjoyed watching this show, American Pickers. Now, I couldn't tell you what day of the week it comes on or what time it's on, but if I'm ever flipping the channel and I see this particular show on, I will find myself stopping, and if I'm not careful, I will sit there and watch two or three episodes in a row. It just kind of sucks me in because I am so intrigued to see Well, I'm sure you've heard the phrase one man's uh, trash is another man's treasure. Well, like to see that come to life and and to see these uh, two guys and their team go from place to place and dig through barns and through attics and through basements and warehouses of all kinds of what I would just say is like throwaway junk. (laughs) But then they discover these treasures and they walk away making pretty good money on what was sitting around gathering dust in somebody's attic or basement but you know long before long before Hollywood ever told us stories of people finding treasure and long before we ever got caught up in the excitement of that idea well Jesus was telling the exact same type stories as he told his parables in Matthew chapter 13 There are two parables we're going to look at today, and both of these parables are about the excitement involved between finding finding a great treasure. Let's pick up in Matthew 13, verse 44. There Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Now, I'm sure like most ordinary fields, this one is filled with dirt, rocks, grass, weeds. But then there's something else there. There's a great treasure in this particular field. And as this man is going about his daily business through this field, he uncovers this treasure. Oh, man. And he was so excited about whatever this great treasure was. And he wanted to make sure... That it was his. Now that may sound like kind of a strange idea for you and I, the idea of just stumbling across buried treasure, but it really wouldn't have been in the day of Jesus. You see, in the days of Jesus, they didn't have a bank on every corner the way we do. As a matter of fact, in the days of Jesus, they didn't have banks <laughs> the way that we do. So what did they do with their valuables? What did they do with their money? Where did they keep those things? In their home. That They kept them hidden in their homes. Unless unless they got wind that there may be thieves about or an army may be coming to invade the village. And then they would gather up all of the, all of the riches, all of the valuables, all of the money in the house that they had stored away. And they would take it somewhere where they could hide it So that when said army came through town and shook down the house, it wasn't there. It would still be safe. Let me illustrate if I can. Let's say, let's go back in time for just a moment, and let's say you have thousands of dollars stuffed around your house. And you get wind that there's an army coming through, and this army is just two or three days away. And you know the safest thing for you to do is to take everything in your house, thousands of dollars worth of possessions, and you don't want them to be at the house. you're not going to go to the backyard. That's going to be the first place they look. So you go to this old vacant field down the road a little ways. And you know where you're taking your treasure, and you're going to bury it right there. It'll keep it safe until the army gets through the town and goes on about their merry way, and you could go reclaim what's yours. But I come along in the meantime while you're waiting on the army to come through, and I'm just making my way through this little field, and lo and behold, I move a rock or two and I stumble upon your treasure. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Jewish law was pretty clear on it. I think probably the, the Hebrew way of, express, of expressing it in English would be to say uh, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Like that was basically the Jewish law. If you found it and no one was there, it's yours. Hate it for the other person. But then there was a little bit of discrepancy when it came to Roman law. Roman law was what could really throw a wrench in this because Roman law wasn't quite as as sure when it came to property rights. So you know what I knew I needed to do? If I own the field, I own all the contents of said field, and then everything in that field is mine. And so now I know what I need to do. If I really want this treasure of yours, if it is such a great treasure, I'm willing now to go sell everything I already have, everything I already own, so that I can possess this field. Because I know then, nobody can take this treasure away from me. Nobody can claim that it's theirs. It'll be mine. Because it's my field. Then Jesus tells a second parable. One about a a great pearl merchant. Someone who would buy and sell pearls. Maybe kind of, well, a pearl picker you might say. (laughs) Who who went about trying to find the best pearls possible. And one day he found the greatest pearl pearl he had ever seen and I mean this pearl was so exquisite that he was willing to get rid of everything else to sell everything he had just to purchase this one pearl he wasn't going to let this one pearl get by him Uh, listen to how Jesus tells the parable he said again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it Why did Jesus tell these two quick parables? Just three verses here, two parables. Why did he tell them? I think we can understand the parables when we notice how he began each parable. Each parable began the same way. The kingdom of heaven is like this. This was not a parable to just talk about some treasure here on earth or to talk about some pearl. This isn't a treasure or it's not a parable just to hold someone's attention or to entertain them, uh, talking about pirates and lost treasure in essence. No. Jesus wanted to make sure his disciples then and now understand how valuable the kingdom of heaven really is. How important the kingdom of heaven really is how much the kingdom of heaven is worth. You see, the kingdom of heaven, it's worth a lot more than your dream job or your dream home, your dream vacation. The kingdom of heaven is worth so much more than we can even begin to understand. We try to put a dollar sign on everything, don't we? We try to say it's worth this much. This is its value. You can't do that with the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is truly something that is priceless. And you say, that's cool. That's great to know. But, but maybe maybe you need to back up a little bit because maybe you sit here right now and you go, but what, what exactly is the kingdom of heaven? Well, oftentimes you'll see it in Scripture. You'll see it referred to as the kingdom of heaven. You'll see it referred to as the kingdom of God. They're the same thing. And what this is, this kingdom, well, it's a kingdom that has one king. His name is Jesus. He is the king of this kingdom. And and the reason that he is able to reign over this kingdom is because he defeated sin, death, and Satan himself. And you and I... We can be a part of this kingdom if we will trust and obey Him. If we'll obey His gospel. If we will submit ourselves, surrendering our will to His, we can be a part of this precious, precious kingdom. this kingdom, it has its own treasures, by the way. Treasures that itself are absolutely amazing. Blessings that we ought not ever take for granted, the first of which is this, forgiveness of our sins. Let's pause here just a minute, church. I, I hope, I, I truly hope that this is something we never take lightly, that we never take for granted how awesome forgiveness of our sins really is. I hope that it's not a phrase that we've come so accustomed to saying that we just say it so fast that we don't really slow down enough to think about how awesome it is. When you're a part of the kingdom of God, you can be forgiven of all your sins. Okay, just for a minute. Bear with me. Just for a moment, I I want you to try to think about, just calculate every sin you committed last week. Can you do that? Just real quick. Every sin you committed last week. You know, from Saturday up until today. You can't do it, can you? And, And I guarantee you can't do it because I can guarantee that all of us all of us are guilty of even committing sins we're not even conscious of because we all did things that we know we should not have done and we all didn't do things that we know we should have done it'd be a pretty long list wouldn't it okay that's just one week though what about last month can you calculate last month last year It's just last year. I mean, we're still at the beginning of a new year, so it hasn't been that long ago since last year. I'm sure you're getting your stuff together for your taxes right now. Just for a moment, just get together everything in your mind for all the sins that you committed in 2021. Maybe it's getting a little overwhelming. We'll back up a little further. What about 10 years? Just one decade of your life a very small percentage of your life for many in this auditorium. It's just 10 years worth of your sins. In the kingdom of God, you and I can be forgiven of all of our sins. That is something that we should never take for granted that is a blessing that we should be thankful for with each and every day and i hope that our relationship with god is such that when we say in our prayers and lord forgive me of my sins i hope you know what you're talking about i hope you're conscious of the sins that you're asking for forgiveness of and not just making some big blanket generic statement. Because you see, as long as you're conscious of your sins, you'll stay thankful. You'll stay thankful for being forgiven of those sins. And that forgiveness of sins only comes when you're a part of the Kingdom of God. Another blessing that's found is fellowship with God. I mean, isn't it amazing to know you can have fellowship with the very Creator of life itself? amazing to me you and I (laughs) as simple and seemingly insignificant beings that we are in the vast universe we can have a relationship with a God who is all powerful, who is all knowing, a God a God who is ever with us and everlasting a God who is, and always will be, we can have fellowship with Him. Why? Because we have chosen to be a part of His kingdom. We can also be an heir to said kingdom. That's amazing, isn't it? You and I. You and I can be an heir to this very kingdom. Sons and daughters of the King. How? Because He's adopted us. He has adopted us through the blood of Jesus. We are a part of the family of God. We're not on the outside looking in. We are a part of his family. How did that happen when we chose to be a part of his kingdom? But I tell you, as awesome as these three are, they're really just beginning to scratch the surface of all the blessings that can be ours in Christ because we also have this amazing blessing waiting for us called eternal life. One day, one day if you're a part of the Kingdom of God, truly a part of the Kingdom of God, living as a member of the Kingdom of God, prepared for death as a member of the Kingdom of God, one day you, will be able to stand in the very presence of God. One day, you, in in your new body, in your new body, you will be forever alive in that beautiful heavenly home where there is no longer any sickness or sorrow or pain or death. You, you will be able to experience eternal life. Because you're a part of the Kingdom of God. That is an absolutely amazing blessing. Nothing, I repeat, nothing is more valuable than the Kingdom of God. And this treasure, this treasure can only be ours because of the sacrifice of Jesus. When Jesus gave His life on the cross, when He bled and suffered and died, He did so for all mankind. Why? So that all mankind would have the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God if they so chose. That's why Jesus said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Man. What an amazing gift. What an amazing treasure. And it's not hidden. (laughs) It is out in the open for you and for me. If we'll simply take hold of it. Just like this man in a field. and Just like this merchant who went about selling pearls. Hopefully you and I Hopefully we recognize how great a treasure that the kingdom of God really is. Hopefully you and I, in the same way, are willing to give up, willing to sacrifice whatever we need to give up. Whatever we need to sacrifice so that we can be a part of the kingdom of God. Things like time, money, pride, career, family. You see, those are all the things that those first disciples who were with Jesus, those were all things that they very freely gave up. Everything from their livelihood to at times even giving up their very life itself to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to be a part of this this kingdom of heaven when we sit here two thousand plus years later and maybe we kind of marvel at their sacrifices but I can't help but wonder if they were really sacrifices is it is it really a sacrifice to get up get up a little bit earlier in the morning to spend some alone time with God is it really a sacrifice to, to come together with the church to worship God and to fellowship with one another is it is it really a, a sacrifice to to serve your your fellow man let alone to serve one another is it really a sacrifice when you give back at least 10% of your income back to God is it really a sacrifice To forgive someone who's hurt you? Is it really a sacrifice to to share your faith with someone that may reject you? Is it really a, a sacrifice? Is it really a sacrifice to give up something so little when we understand how great the reward will be? When we understand how much God has given and will give us? Are those things really a sacrifice? The Apostle Paul would say, no, they're not. Paul would write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as what? Rubbish. Some translations there will say, count them as garbage. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Go down to verse 10. It says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share, do you hear that? Share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We live this life as though this life were everything. That when this life ends, it's all over. That's why the things of this life, the temporary things of this life, that's why they sometimes mean way too much to us. Whether it's our stuff, or our relationships, or our education, or our money, the right perspective, the perspective that the Apostle Paul had lived and understood was that all this is just junk. It's all garbage in compared to meeting Jesus. I think when we finally begin to understand that, when we finally begin to understand the great fortune that has been given to us and how it's been given to us, I think then and only then will we finally begin to give of ourselves the way that God wants us to and the way God expects us to. This is the greatest treasure, the kingdom of God. But is the kingdom of God your greatest treasure? Now, I hope that everyone here is, is quick to say, yes, amen, I have no treasure greater than the kingdom of God. But before you do, <laughs> I, I would encourage us all to just ask ourselves a couple quick questions to test, to test where our treasure really is or really may be. The first question is this, What do you think about the most? Hmm? When you have a little bit of, maybe a little bit of downtime, when you're just kind of daydreaming, what do you think about the most? What do you worry about? What do you think about? (laughs) What have you been daydreaming about while I was preaching? All right. What is it in this life that you find yourself thinking about the most? Because there's a really good chance that whatever we think about the most, whatever we worry about the most, whatever our thoughts are consumed with the most, it's a pretty good indication of what our treasure really is. Question number two. Is there anything in your life that if you lost it, you would feel like life was no longer worth living? I'm sure that all of us all of us have really good things that we might put on this list real quick but maybe maybe if there are things of this life that we would put on this list maybe church we've put too much value on those things maybe we've made those things far too important than what we should have and certainly more so than what God ever intended when he gave those things to us whoops don't start singing (laughs) so what is your treasure is the kingdom of God your greatest treasure it should be It absolutely should be. And if you can leave here today saying it is, praise God for it. But if not, then maybe that's something we need to reflect on. Maybe that's something we need to think about even before we leave this place. What if I told you I have this amazing discovery for you? I want to sell it to you and because you're my friend and, and I love you I, I want you to have this amazing thing now listen because of our relationship I'm going to let it go for the very low low price of about $5,000 and it can be yours you say what is it I, say, I, can't, I can't tell you but it's I just you just got to believe me it's, it's absolutely amazing I say listen I can't describe it. I can't describe it. My my words are pitiful, and my words would never do it justice trying to describe this. But if you'll go with me, I want you to go with me to Hawaii, and in Hawaii I'll be able to sell you this for only $5,000. All right, so you get on a plane with me, and we're flying to Hawaii, and it's a long flight, and the whole way your mind, your mind's just working. And you're thinking, what is it that Blake has? It, did, did he find some like, little small piece of property over there for $5,000? Maybe, maybe there's some business over there that, that he wants me to be a part of, that I can be on the ground floor of. Uh, I don't know what it is. what is it that he's offering me for $5,000. Boy, this is going to be exciting. We finally land, and I said, we've well, we got to go to the beach. We've got to go over to Waikiki Beach. Come on, we've got to go. And so I take you right over to the beach, and we're standing there, and you're looking. You're looking up and down the beach. You're looking at the hotels around you. You're thinking about all these different things. And I said, well, just wait. It'll be here in just a minute. So You're looking. You're looking. And I said, there it is! And I point out into the ocean at a 10-foot wave. I said, you see it? $5,000, it's yours. Nobody else's. Are you going to buy that wave? If you will, come go with me today. You say, of course I'm not going to buy that wave. I wouldn't pay $5,500. I'm not going to give you $5 for a wave. Why not? Because you're too smart for me. You know that once that wave, as pretty and majestic as it is, once it rolls in and it crashes on the shore, it's done. It's going back in the sea. Nothing to show for it. And you're right. That's exactly what waves do. So does Life. This life is no different. We spend so much of our time, 60, 70, sometimes 80 years, accumulating and accumulating and accumulating the things of this life. Temporary things. Then our wave crashes. Our wave hits the shore. And we die. And guess what we take with us? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing that is eternal is the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God your greatest treasure? Are you willing to do anything for it? Anything to have it because you understand how awesome it is? Maybe. Maybe you're not a think part of the kingdom of God today. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You remember how awesome the forgiveness of sins is? We talked about that a moment ago. It's at that point of baptism. You come into contact with the blood of Jesus and he washes away all of those past sins. It's an amazing gift that God gives you in that moment to see a person come up out of the watery grave of baptism cleansed. Oh, man, by the power of God, all of those sins removed, cut away, gone, forgotten. No more. If you haven't done that, do that today. But if you have done that, you are a part of the kingdom of God. You are a child of His. Are you living the way a child of His ought to live? Are you living in faith Are you living a life that displays how truly important this this treasure that is the kingdom of God really is? Or are you so caught up in this world, in this life, in its people, and in its stuff, that you think those things will last forever? Because they won't. One day, if the Lord tarries my life and yours, it's going to hit the beach. going to crash like that wave. And our time on this earth will be no more. When that moment comes, and it could come at any time, mind you, even before I wrap this sermon up, your wave may hit, my wave may hit. We don't know. But when that time comes, Will you be ready to stand before God? Will you be a part of Him standing before Him as a part of His kingdom? Or will you be standing before Him in judgment as one who's outside of Christ, as one who's been more wrapped up in this temporary life than in living for life everlasting? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Him? Because if you're not, that's not good. Be ready to meet Him before you leave here today. We can help you in any way. Won't you come as we stand and sing?